From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive. I'm your host, Joe McLean. I host the Monday program, and it's great to be on with you. How was your weekend? I pray it was well. Mine was... Um, I don't know. I guess it was a little uneventful. Praise be to Jesus. Oh, I did take care of that check engine light. You remember I was telling you about that? A couple of weeks ago, I was arrogantly boasting about, you know, my ability to take care of check engine lights around the house. I feel very useful in that regard. Then all of a sudden, it came back. And yeah, I had to go buy another part. And I was able to throw it in. It, it, nothing feels greater than wrenching on your own car and seeing that that notorious check engine light go away. Am I right or am I right about that? I mean, praise be to Jesus Christ to see it go away. Let's just pray it stays away as uh, my wife and I and our kids embark on a mission trip at the end of this week to Montana. Uh, I'll be talking about that maybe just a little bit. Hey, by the way, did you see the Fatima movie over the weekend? Opening weekend for the the brand new Fatima movie. I want to uh, mention that today on the program. Uh, We watched it on I think it was Friday night. We we streamed it live at the house, but uh, I, I'll I'll reserve my comments for when we talk about that in a few minutes. But on the program today, we are going to be speaking with Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler about Catholic principles in voting. You probably have heard about the five non-negotiables. Many Catholics are like, why are those things non-negotiable? I don't understand. I have other issues that I feel are a big priority. I don't understand why we're talking about these five non-negotiables. We'll be discussing that with Bishop Strickland, uh, why that's the case. Uh, Why must Catholics uh, look at those issues as sort of a a real... um, Benchmark for evaluating candidates, platforms, parties, etc. Because the vote is coming and the vote matters, right? So we'll be discussing that on the program. And uh, Brother Fulton has written in to the program. You might remember him as Adrian Fonseca, our former intern, which uh, we got an upgrade with Janelle when she joined the team, and we sent him off to the Dominicans in Cincinnati. Well, he's uh, he's written us a letter, so I'll be mentioning a little bit of that. Let's pray, and let's dive into it. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Tim Mott. India has set a record for the world's highest single-day increase in coronavirus cases. The nation, the world's third most infected, on Sunday reported 78,761 new cases in 24 hours, passing the number posted in the U.S. on July 17th. 
The rise comes as the government continues to lift restrictions to try to boost an economy that lost millions of jobs when the virus hit in March. An upsurge of COVID-19 in many rural areas continues to be a major concern. On Sunday, global infections passed the 25 million mark with 843,000 deaths. The U.S. remains the most affected nation, having just reached 6 million infections. One person was shot dead in Portland, Oregon, Saturday night during a series of confrontations between members of a 600-vehicle caravan in support of President Trump and counter-protesters. Police said that they are investigating the shooting as a homicide, but warned against forming conclusions about what had occurred because so much was still unclear on Sunday, almost 24 hours after the lethal encounter. Police did not release information about a potential suspect or the victim, though it appeared from videos of the scene that they were on opposite ends of the skirmishes. The victim allied with pro-Trump rally and the shooter congregating with Black Lives Matter counter-protesters before opening fire. President Donald Trump and Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler sparred in the wake of the shooting, Trump on Twitter and the mayor on camera at a press conference. An unknown assailant punched a priest during Sunday Mass in Berlin, Germany. The assault took place yesterday in St. Joseph's Church in the districts of Vetting. According to witnesses, a man who had been quietly seated at Mass stood up, walked towards the sanctuary, and punched the 61-year-old priest, knocking him to the ground. He also knocked down the priest's 56-year-old brother who tried to intervene. The priest and his brother were only slightly injured, and the crime is being investigated by the Department for Political Offenses by the State Criminal Police Office. The Spanish-language broadcast of a Catholic sister's speech at the Republican National Convention last week replaced the words pro-life with anti-abortion, a move that raises questions about the integrity of the broadcast. Sister Deirdre Byrne used the phrase pro-life three times in her RNC speech, once in reference to herself, once in reference to President Donald Trump, and once in reference to America's pro-life community. In all three cases, news network CNN and Español translated the phrase as anti-aborto or anti-abortion during its broadcast of the speech. The use of anti-aborto rather than pro-vida to translate Burns' phrase pro-life has been met with frustration from some Hispanic pro-life advocates. And finally, though several worldwide Catholic collections were postponed this year due to, to, due to the suspension of public masses due to the coronavirus pandemic, the Vatican con- confirmed on Friday that World Mission Sunday will take place as scheduled on October 18th, underlining the importance of evangelization and support for the Church's mission territories amid the pandemic. World Mission Sunday is marked by a collection for the Pontifical Mission Societies, a group of Catholic missionary societies under the jurisdiction of the Pope. And those are your GRN headlines for Monday, August 31st. St. Raymond Nonatus, pray for us. He was born in a very well-to-do in a nobility, a Spanish noble family in Aragon in the 13th century, born in 1204. His dad had great plans for young Raymond. He wanted him to have a very successful career in the court of Aragon. Uh, But Raymond had other desires. He felt called to a religious life. He was uh, feeling that draw to the Lord. And he wanted to pursue that, but his dad was having none of it. So his dad, as a young man, his dad put uh, Raymond in charge of one of the family farms. But uh, Raymond spent his time really just praying, working very closely with, uh, with let's say, the family, or the, the the farm help, you know, the hired hands, the, the tenants. He spent his time with them and being a shepherd and doing the dirty work and getting himself involved in all of the aspects of farm life, not really in keeping with nobility. So his father eventually sort of gave up his desires for his son to have worldly success. And uh, young Raymond was allowed to go and pursue his calling. And he joined the Mercedarian priests. Now, Mercedarians were a very interesting order. 
They gave themselves over to freeing captives, hostages, most of which were in the hands of the Saracens or the, or the Muslims. So these were Christians that were being held for ransom. Raymond gave his entire estate to free as many as he possibly could. And when he ran out of material resources to, to uh, ransom these captives, to free these Christians, he gave himself over in order to uh, free another person. Well, as a, as a captive himself, he gave himself over to converting his jailers. And he was pretty successful at this. He converted several guards. In fact, it got so troublesome for the Saracens that they took a hot poker and poked a hole through both of his lips and padlocked his lips shut so that he would not be able to preach the Holy Gospel to these Muslims. He was, in fact, uh, uh, ransomed himself and returned back to Barcelona in 1239. And uh, the, the Pope, Pope Gregory IX, made him a cardinal of the church. He did live as a monk for the rest of his life. And on his way to Rome to answer a papal summons, he died of a fever on this day in 1240. St. Raymond Nonatus, pray for us. But did you know today is also the feast day of St. Nicodemus, Nicao de Amos, which is two words put together, which essentially means the people crusher. And you can read all about him in John chapter 3. He comes in the darkness to, to encounter Christ. Because, as uh, you might be able to look at it from one angle, is he didn't have the courage to come in the daylight. He comes in the night. He is a believer in Jesus, but he needed courage. Let us not live in the dark, but let us live in the light. St. Nicodemus, pray for us. Good morning, Teresa Kamara. Good morning, Joe. <laughs> Praise be to Jesus. Praise be to Jesus. Did you know we heard from uh, Brother Fulton? Bro- That's what you were telling me. I'm so excited. It's such a it's such good news to hear from him. And I, I understand that they're keeping him very busy, which they should be. They keep all of our seminarians very busy. Brother Fulton Maria Fonseca, formerly known as Adrian Fonseca, the intern for GR Live Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, praise Jesus. He says uh, he is quite busy. He says our schedules are pretty, uh, pretty crazy. This week we are having a chant boot camp, four hours per day. Woo, that's intense. Plus singing the office and mass. <laughs> Of course, he says, I have to think I've gotten much better. We are also, we also have 30 minutes of lect- Lectio Divina, I'm guessing you're saying. Lectio Divina. Two hours of study required every day. I can see why these guys are so smart. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, I think he misses us, to be honest with you. You know, it reminds me when I went to boot camp. Uh, you know, writing letters by hand was never a thing until you go to prison or to boot camp or maybe maybe freshman kids that have never been away from home when they go off to college. All of a sudden, they become writers. Well, but the thing is, he was already, uh, you know, very... Articulate sure. and very, you know, m- very much into communication, and so I'm very, very grateful that he yeah. already thought of writing us because sometimes people they, you know, they leave town and they're, they just they're ready to do the next thing, and yeah. he, and he is busy, so. True. But it was cool to hear from him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad he's doing well. You know, it's interesting. They they don't let him have a phone or uh, they don't let him use social media or email. Well, he has to physically to, write a letter. It gives him time to actually process. It takes more yeah. time to write the letter. It takes more thought in and then writing an email which you can like rewrite and rewrite no you know and, yeah. and, but even even like um i know other seminarians will sometimes send out group emails you know just to to stay in touch and stay in contact because you don't 
you don't actually completely ever leave the world, but at the same time, you need to be able to take time to find that silence and to really listen to the voice of God. And is he calling you, Mm. you know, is he calling you to that vocation or is it just part of your, oh yeah, this is what I do next and this is my new career because it's not just a career, it's a whole relationship. And so, um, so yeah, we're praying for all of our seminarians and and it was really neat. I actually saw, um, um, a Norbertine seminarian really? for the first time uh, this past <laughs> weekend. Uh, so that was pretty neat. And then I got to work with a, um, trying to remember what they are, the FSSP Yeah, the, uh, the seminarians. of St. Peter. Yes, I got to work with yeah. one of them a recently. Wonderful. And so, yeah, so it's, it's neat to be able to get a chance to work not only with the diocesan, yeah. but also with the various orders. And as, uh, you know, today's, uh, page, or today's feast day, St. Raymond Nanatas tells us, Parents can sometimes try to stand in the way of those vocations. And, uh, you know, so as parents, we have to pray for God's will for our children's lives, whatever that may be. That's what we should support. Well, and they, and they don't need to be pressured to go into it either. Like if if they, you know, open open that ability for them to be able to communicate it's with whatever that quiet God time. Wants. Right. Yeah. For that quiet time for them to be able to communicate with God. Build that love of the sacraments. Build that love of prayer. And it will come. If yeah. it's supposed to Amen. come, it will come. Speaking of which, do you know what came this weekend? I know who I found this weekend, but go ahead. You tell me what came this weekend, and I'll tell you what I found this weekend. You found something this weekend? Yes. I was referring to the Fatima movie. Yes. Now, okay, before we jump into that, let me just say, we're going to have Bishop Joseph Strickland on the program here in just a little while. We're going to be talking about Catholic voting, voting with Catholic principles. Uh, You know, there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of vitriol. There's a lot of anger and frustration with each other when it comes to politics. But today, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about Catholic principles applied to voting. And uh, I think it should be a good conversation. That's coming up here in just a few minutes. And Sherathon is going to be kicking off across the Guadalupe Radio Network in a couple of weeks. Unfortunately, I won't be here, my family and I. Why are you clapping harder? Did you just see that? I did. Like the glee in his eye. Like, wow. He was like, I'm excited. Cause, uh, David, you realize that means more work for us. <laughs> so my wife and I are embarking on a mission trip to Montana this Saturday morning, oh, dark 30. Pray for us as uh-huh. we make our way up to Montana for a uh, uh, helping uh, coordinate a men's retreat up there. I'll be delivering talks and showing my film, The Other Side of Fear. And then Excellent. we're dropping By some, uh, our friend, uh, Macy, uh, who is, de- like, she has donated bags and bags and bags of blankets and jackets for the Blackfeet Indian Reservation. I'll be taking those and dropping those off as well nice. to my friend, how Fa- long do you Father get a, Paddock. How long do you get a chance to spend time on the reservation? Uh, probably none, because it's okay. closed for COVID. I probably could only <gasps> drop the materials that. and then, uh, you know, wave from a distance. You know? They'll give it three days to kind of yeah. air out. They, they, you know, <laughs> nobody touches it. Yeah, they, they are very susceptible to COVID, so they've had a higher than nor- uh, average rate of mortality, so they're very cautious, and they've uh, closed their their borders to uh, to non essential traffic. Let's yeah. just say. So I'll be meeting with Father Paddock, who serves on that uh, reservation, to deliver the materials for him. But that's coming up. But Fa- a Fatima movie came out over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Now, from my understanding, I'm the only person in the room who's seen this film. Yes, unfortunately, yes. that is terrible. Like it's a Catholic <laughs> film, and you none of you have watched it. Well, we didn't know we now, had a homework so assignment. So it was released in a limited run in theaters, but then you could have streamed it at the house. Now a lot of people were like twenty dollars, twenty bucks. I mean, but take it into perspective. It's a 
it's a film that depicts the one of the I would argue probably the greatest apparition in the church's history, Fatima. Yep. I definitely think that's arguable. <clears throat> yeah. I definitely think that there's a lot to be said about it. for how many times she came, for and the fact much, that the sun danced. For how the fact much of that, your money have you given to non uh, non awesome things? Okay, <laughs> how much money have we given to Netflix? Netflix, no bueno. Well, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> or, or, or food, or, I mean, there's a lot of things in life <laughs> that are okay, but, you know, it's okay to give $20 to, uh, to a film that is trying to depict something so beautiful. Absolutely. And I'm big on, and, and we're going to come back to Fatima, yeah. but just a quick detour. I want to have a shout out to Chris Macchio because I didn't hear his name mentioned one time and he sang the Ave Maria at the White House. Oh, and yeah. I am a big promoter. If you so are, you if you're part of the arts and you can have a Beauty. voice like that and you're and a world traveler. It was amazing. It was incredibly inspiring, and and he is a big supporter of our military. And so, thank you speaking, to to people of who Maria. are in the arts and and support our military and and support our president. So, Andrea, thank you. Uh, uh, how do you say this guy's name? Andrea Bocelli. Uh, Andrea. Yes. Oh. Andrea, Andrea Bocelli. Andrea Bocelli. I was he so sang close. In, well, he sang in Fatima. Yes, yes. He did. and that oh, and yeah. and, yeah. and, and right. actually, Macchio has sang has sung with um, Bocelli. So so yeah. So, but yes, Bajelli okay. sang beautifully in Fatima, and so let's that talk would about be worth Fatima watching for just second. for that. Spoiler alerts ahead. Uh-oh. So if you've not seen this film, plug your ears for just a minute. Just, just <laughs> now, some people have asked me already, like, Joe, like they didn't want to say this out loud. Like nobody wants to talk about it publicly. They're like, Joe, what did you think? So they're texting me behind the scenes. <laughs> what, what was your opinion of the movie? My opinion of the movie was it was well done. It was a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. Praise Jesus. Looks like they put a lot of effort. There was great talent in the film. Harvey Keitel, uh, Sonia Braga plays Sister Lucia. They did a great job with their scenes. The child actor, Stephanie Gill, mm-hmm. fantastic. Absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, so the acting was really good. I especially, uh, uh, Lucia's mom in the movie, uh, who is played by Maria Rosa, um, she or actually that's her character's name. She did a great job. Like she is probably the best mother of Lucia in a Fatima film ever. Like she did a really. Well, good Well, I job. really believed her, and just in the trailer, just watching like the yeah. previews and stuff like that, Wonderful. I was I thought I could see a mom actually saying that. Like she's she's literally, yeah. you know, asking her, "Are you being legitimate?" And this is, and that's one of the reasons why the church investigates so thoroughly apparitions because we can't just take it just because somebody says it. Right. Yes. So. Okay, so all of that is great. I would highly recommend everyone watch this film. It has so many great points to it. Again, acting great, set design awesome, costume design wonderful. Just there's just so much going for this film. It's really really good. Now, what, there's some things I don't love about the film. Uh-oh. Uh Again, spoiler alert. Plug your ears <laughs> if you've not seen this film. Uh, okay, so what one thing that like the, one of the first things that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. The priest in the film, the parish priest, was wearing a rosary around his neck the whole time. Mm. And I'm just like... That's not common. Why are you wearing a rosary around your neck? Not that people don't wear rosaries. I was going to say, people do that. But generally speaking, it's like, to me, that says they're... They probably did... They probably thought that was a Catholic thing and threw it on there. Hmm. Like, it just felt like... 
like there was not a Catholic involved in the costume design department. You know, <laughs> just like, like I'm why curious. is the I, parish I would priest research that wearing now, like, a rosary around his neck? Now thing? maybe, like I would love to, dire- I would love to interview the director because he probably would give me insight that I am not privy to. Like Joe, I'm trying to promote the rosary, and which I'd be like, yeah, high five, praise God, that's awesome. But it, it just stood out to me, and it kind of bugged me the whole time that this priest was wearing this rosary around his neck and. I'm like, that's what the I was kids thinking, in like, school Dominicans, do. Dominicans, that don't right on pray the, side. the rosary. Yeah, they pick, yeah. they wear like a belt. Yeah, because it's a sword. It's a sword. They wear it like a sword on yeah. their on their right side because they're ready to go to battle, spiritual combat. So I didn't love that. And then, um, our, there was in this in the effort to depict the supernatural elements of Our Lady's apparitions, um, they went the the they went with a more non supernatural take to it. Like a that's not the word. They like she wasn't depicted in great light. She's not on a cloud, which is the Holy Trinity, by the way. That's what the cloud is. Uh, there above, like holding her up above the tree, the bush, right? Like the, the way she's depicted actually in the uh, apparitions themselves. Okay. And uh, so she's walking barefoot on the ground, and she's a lovely actress. She did a wonderful job. Very beautiful young woman, and she, uh, you know, there was nothing necessarily wrong with her portrayal They probably of took, talked to the special effects team and went, uh... They went opposite. Like, they went, like, 13th Day, if you watch 13th Day, I thought they did a phenomenal job depicting Our Lady in that film, 13th Day. Probably a, a fraction of the budget of this film, Fatima, and, you know, so I was just like, oh, man. And then when they depicted the October 13th miracle, the sun, again, mm-hmm. spoiler alerts, people, don't listen to me if you've not watched this film. Uh, I just felt like there was something lacking there. They didn't depict uh, St. Joseph with the child Jesus blessing the world, uh, you know, because our uh, St. Joseph appeared at Fatima. Most people have mm-hmm. forgotten that part. Uh, but uh, so there was some of those elements I was like, oh, I really wish they'd have done more. So it made me pull out my uh, my copy of uh, Sister Lucia's memoirs, which she was required to write. Her bishop uh, required this of her. Wise and, bishop. Yeah, and so if you, and you can get copies of this still, but I have an old copy of it. And uh, Fatima, in Lucia's own words, and there's like four memoirs in here, where she reflects back on 1917, much later, and she is remembering certain details, like the many apparitions of the angel that led from starting in 2015 that led all the way up to 2017. So well before the first apparition on May 13th, she had already had this miraculous encounter with with uh, with this angel, mm-hmm. and uh, she received first uh, communion from this angel, a miraculous communion experience from the angel. There were so many things that happened. And then there were many apparitions after October 13th, 19- uh, you know, little Jacinta, she had many apparitions of Our Lady all the way up to her death. So there was so much miracle, so many things. That was the other thing in the movie. They, they, they only hint at some of the miraculous healings that occurred as a result to these apparitions. They, they do depict one child as having a sort of a partial reaction. And in the memoirs, um, Lucia reminds us that that when she when she asked our lady to heal some of these people cuz the many myriads of people that were showing up she's like i will heal some and others i won't because they have no faith mm. and they don't pray and the overwhelming message and i think that, again this movie did a beautiful job at depicting that that this part pray the rosary every day mm-hmm. do acts of reparation uh you know do do self sacrifice should be a way of life for us uh the movie did a wonderful job depicting that but uh the in the memoirs, Sister Lucia reminds us that we have to have faith. We have to pray. 
with faith. We have to live our life with great sacrifice and mortification in faith. And it's that faith, as we uh, heard from the gospel, or in the extraordinary form we heard from the gospel yesterday, the ten lepers that came to Jesus, and he sent, heals them and sends them off to the priest for verification, and only one returns, and that one was a, uh, a Samaritan person. And he's like, where are the other nine? You know, faith, faith, your faith has healed you. That's what Jesus said in the gospel yesterday. You know, so. it fascinates me, too, because a lot of times we'll see this even um, with converts, in a sense, like in the sense that... People who have converted to Catholicism, they get so fired up about the faith. And it's not as common for someone who's a cradle Catholic to be so animated about it. Mm. Because it's like, that's how you grew up. This is just part of the process. And so you do the next thing. And of course, like, you know, you just keep on going and trucking along. And the convert's like, no, this is amazing. I got to go back. <laughs> and so, and I've seen that across the board you know, my entire life. So I think, I think it's important for us to, to keep in mind what our lady's message is and I, and what really really inspired me i mean even as a teenager when i would hear these stories about apparitions of our lady and i was like okay well how do we know someone didn't just you know dream it up or something and and what fascinated yeah. me about our lady of fatima specifically mm-hmm. um other than of course the catholic church's verification of this uh but but the fact that the secular media that didn't believe the catholic faith we're reporting on the sun dancing. We're reporting on yeah. the healings. Oh, yeah. We're reporting on this miracle. 70,000 witnesses. And yes. there were, so not only did the uh, secular newspaper report the miracle, but there were eyewitnesses miles away that also saw the sun dance. And again, it was not just the sun dancing. The sun came crashing into the earth, or it was appeared to be, and people were shouting their sins. They were confessing out loud because they thought they were about to die. Because that, that sun was barreling down on them. And uh, then there were many miracles. The ground, which had been pouring rain all morning, the ground was completely dry. And everybody's clothes were completely, clothes dry. Were completely dry. And there were many miracles of healings uh, uh, that were reported. And then, of course, again, the apparitions. Our Lady appeared with the Holy Family in the sky. St. Joseph appeared with Jesus in his arms. And both of them bl- made this, you know, the, the, like the, what you see the bishop doing, you know, and priests will do to bless. You know, they were blessed. Blessing the earth, St. Joseph and our Lord in his arms. And, uh, you know, they didn't depict any of that, to be honest. I was a little disappointed in that part. But on the whole, great film. Highly encourage you to watch it. It was There were so many beautiful elements to it. Uh, we'd love to see more Catholic-themed films like that, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Praise God. So uh, that's Fatima. I can see there's already a bit of a debate going on in the com box over on our live video feed over at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Keep it civil, people. The discourse is what we need. Vitriol is what we have. Okay, so let's make a decision for, for, for discourse. Today on the program here in just a little bit, we're going to be speaking with Bishop Joseph Strickland about the Catholic principles to voting, the non-negotiables. Why are these Five things, non-negotiable. Many would say, but Joe, I have other issues that I feel are more important than these five things. Why does the Catholic faith teach these five non-negotiables? Does the Catholic faith teach these five non-negotiables? Well, we're going to discuss that with Bishop Strickland here just a little while uh, on the program. And we'll talk about that and maybe ask some difficult questions and try to get a solid answer out of Bishop Strickland. So and all know, of that coming up here in just a few minutes. And you know, we're guaranteed a straight answer from Bishop Strickland, which is such a... Which is 
such a blessing to have these strong bishops. And actually, I wanted to sh- give a shout out to uh, Bishop Toops, who is now been installed that guy seems amazing. Bishop of Beaumont. I, that's who I found over the weekend on Saturday. Oh, that's, that's the guy. Uh, yeah. So on Saturday, I was just like scrolling through Facebook and all of a sudden this, this thing pops up, this little message pops up and it talks about how it was the bishop leading the divine mercy after giving a talk and he was explaining how the priest had a lot of the priests had um been sent away because of hurricane lore but he was there and he was going to be in the area because the, because of where he was at it was it was more safe and so and he talked about how um you know there was some concern about whether or not they would sell power and everything but he yeah. was going to be present and then he and then it started to follow him as he's going and visiting these places that were damaged by the hurricane and um and this was after he had already blessed the the Neches River with the Blessed Sacrament, taking the Blessed Sacrament out there. <laughs> That's amazing. And, yeah. and he said, and he, they were reporting like no damage to schools in the Praise Diocese Jesus. of Beaumont, uh, 15 parishes with bruises and scrapes. And I was yeah. just like, thank you to someone who's able to come out and, and meet these people where they have no power. And yet for those of us who are on Facebook, they're reporting back. So that, that was incredibly helpful and helped us to, to know what's going on, to know that our, our bishop is right there mm. with us. And and it reminded me very much of whenever we marched. Um, I got a chance to march in Victoria during their March for Life, just in town. And Bishop Cahill was mm. right there with us, Amen. marching alongside yeah. us. And like, and there's been so many times whenever it's like I get a chance to talk to, you know, just going out and meeting people at different venues. Like we expect to see bishops in certain venues, but yeah. then we don't at others. And so it, it was just very nice to be able to to pray alongside of this bishop, even yes. if it was online, and to receive that that blessing. And so I'm very grateful to Bishop Strickland for joining us today because, I, I mean, know. we yeah, don't want to take them. that for granted. We I don't want to, and, and he's not the only one. We don't want to take that for granted. I agree. We're going to go to a break right now. We're going to come back. We're going to speak with Bishop Joseph Strickland uh, from the Diocese of Tyler about Catholic principles in voting. Tough conversation because we seem to be very divided people Uh, But there are some principles as Catholics that we must use to make wise and prudent decisions when it comes to voting. And the voting does matter. And all of that's coming up here in just a few minutes. Don't forget, after the show goes off the radio on the Guadalupe Radio Network, we stay on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter for the after show, where we will continue our conversations about the topics on the program. So stick around for that. But uh, we are very grateful you're a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network family. And it's growing. There's some good news ahead about uh, what's next in the GRN, but you're going to have to stick around in the days and weeks to come. All of that happening right here on your Catholic radio station. It's Radio for Your Soul, and we'll be right back. You're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family families pray for each other we would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you you don't even have to tell us your name just go to our website grnonline.com or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008 that's 800-395-4008 we will be praying for you every day why is catholic radio important to you 
I have learned so much. My knowledge of my faith has increased so much. I thought I knew my faith, but I've come to realize that I'm growing every day because of what I've learned and what I continue to learn. My only concern is that there are so many out there who are listening, but they are not calling in to make a pledge, and every one of them counts. It's just vital that we that we put our money where our ears are. You can't go wrong by listening to Catholic Radio because every day there's something else that you can find out, uh, a little bit more that you can add to your to your knowledge about uh, things you really thought you understood, if you'll just listen. It's so very important for Catholic Radio to continue and grow. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate in plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you. Uh, before we dive into our conversation with Bishop Strickland uh, about the uh, voting principles, uh, Catholic principles in voting, rather, I want to just uh, mention, I don't think we mentioned this, Teresa, but you know, the, there were many people are really affected by the hurricane, Hurricane Laura, that came through, yeah, yeah. especially in the Lake Charles area. So we're praying for all, everybody affected. It was heart-wrenching to see some of the video of the damage. It was pretty well, extensive. And 12 people died in Louisiana, and, yeah. and I think it was four in Texas. And yeah. so, so yeah, we're, our thoughts and prayers go out to all of your, the, all of you and all of your families. The Diocese of Lake Charles has 39 churches, and the bishop uh, posted on Facebook said all of them sustained damage. Wow. All of them? And the chancery is unusable. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. That's very big. Well, college is. We're going to include them in our prayers. But joining us uh, by Zoom right now is His Excellency Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler. Good morning, Bishop. Good morning, Joe. Praise Jesus. It's good to see you. Thanks for being on with us again. Glad to be here. Uh, could you imagine, just real quick, a nice diversion, not really a nice one, but a diversion nonetheless. What would it be like to wake up and realize that your chancery and all of your parishes were were damaged? That's That's got to be very very emotional for a bishop. Oh, absolutely. Um, my heart goes out to all of those in Lake Charles, and um, we have to, to be with them in, in every way we can, materially and certainly spiritually. At the masses here this weekend, I prayed for all who had uh, suffered, certainly died, but you know, there's a lot of suffering that accompanies these storms. And I think one thing that I would encourage is, it's the headline right now, but very quickly it will fade to other things and people will continue to struggle through so let's try to remember i mean we've all got so many things to deal with but i think that's one thing that i learn and, and i challenge myself with is so often it's the headline and then 15 minutes later we're on to something else but the people of god are still struggling through whatever that headline was whether it's the violence in some of these cities or the hurricanes or whatever is is next and i i think as the people of god we need to keep those people in our prayers and in our thoughts and minds and uh 
just do what we can to to live the faith and joyfully, uh, but with great clarity and being with each other. We're all the children of God. Amen. Amen to that. Uh, wow. You know, and I I have uh, distinct memories of uh, Hurricane Harvey that devastated the Houston, Texas area for sure. And uh, so we have a we have an appreciation for what they're struggling with. We're definitely going to be praying for them. But uh, the reason why we've invited you on the program this morning, Bishop, is to talk about a much lighter subject: voting. <laughs> so much lighter. <laughs> so much lighter. I say that in jest, but you know, it's like we've. I mean, I I guess I remember times where politics was always difficult. But it seems like it's never been this difficult. It's never been this divisive, never been this, you know, vitriolic in conversation. Social media has just gotten to the point where it's nothing but, you know, frothing at the mouth, angst against uh, our uh, our opponents. And it seems like the exchange of ideas has really been, uh, you know, hurt, in my opinion. Um, so to that, uh, we thought, what a great opportunity to really invite you on and have you maybe clarify to us. Uh, what it means to have Catholic principles in discerning a vote. And let me just start by saying, I pulled out my trusty catechism of the Catholic Church, by the way. I had to glue it back together over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> I've glued it several times, so it's just, it's, there's no reason to buy another one when you can just pull out the old glue. But uh, at any rate, in paragraph 1913 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it talks about the necess- necessity for all to participate in the public square, each according to his position and role in promoting the common good. In 1915, it says, as far as possible, citizens should take an active part in public life. And it goes on to say in 1916, fraud and other subterfuges, which some people evade the constraints of law and the prescriptions of societal obligation, must be firmly condemned because they are incompatible with the requirements of justice. This whole section is a very good section. I highly recommend uh, all of us to read this particular part of the catechism, but I think it points to the need for all of us to have an active role, to be law-abiding good citizens. I'm, I'm hearing St. Paul's words echo in my ear that, uh, you know, we should even respect those that would, like he would respect, he'd say, pray for the emperor, but the emperor kills us. Pray for him anyway. Uh, so with that as a basis for our conversation, where do we begin, Bishop, as Catholics, in trying to discern uh, how to apply a solid vote in these, uh, this coming up election? Well, Joe, um, I agree with you that it's probably, well, certainly in my lifetime, uh, the most challenging election season. I believe that is because we're at we're being asked to make fundamental choices about what do we really believe in, what is this life, who is God, very basic, fundamental choices, and. I would encourage, um, as I've reflected on knowing that we were going to be talking about this on Monday morning, um, it occurs to me that what I would ask people to do is really ask themselves, what do I believe in? What is basic to my life? What do I really believe? Because I think we need very strong clarity in all of that. There's a lot of noise. but I, th- I believe Catholics need to step back from whatever party, whatever candidate, and ask those very basic questions. What do I believe in? Do I believe in that wonderful catechism you just read from? 
because that is one of the richest documents that we have. Um, you read it a paragraph at a time. Yes, it's pretty. It's not light reading. It's not the funny papers. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. people are intelligent. God has given us minds. And that, I believe, is one of the, the key issues. As we look at headlines, and even with the election, like you said, on social media, there's so much that is based on emotion and not based on logical, reasoned thinking. God has given us brains. We are all blessed with basic intelligence. They're probably, most bishops are smarter than I am. But you don't have to be super smart. You have to be clear on what's true, and you have to be um, willing to say, these are the choices I'm going to make. I think it gets to those kinds of basics with this election. Because frankly, none of the parties, none of the candidates are exactly the perfect model. Some are better in one area or another. I honestly think there's some pretty clear choices if you really say these are basic non-negotiables that I believe in. And I'm fairly known, uh, is, if anybody knows me, they know that I believe that the, the sanctity of life is the most fundamental, the most preeminent, the most basic. As a kid who grew up here in East Texas, I still feel like that kid. I think we all do. You know, we get older and we get gray hair, but I still feel like the little kid that that just saw things pretty clearly. I grew up on a farm. I know how, you know, animals reproduce. I know, you know, the very basics that hasn't changed. Yeah, And I for think sure. we tend to get caught up in a lot of noise I would encourage every Catholic to just really kneel before the Blessed Sacrament and say, Lord, help me to be clear on what I believe in. Who is God? Who am I? What is this life about? What is eternal life that I'm called to? Those basic supernatural truths that guide us as Catholics. <clears throat> as Catholics, if we really are strong in what the Catholic Church teaches, we are all about the supernatural. I think a, a great lead up to this was your discussion of Fatima. That is a supernatural event. As y'all were saying, it was recorded in the secular press. There's no denying that thousands and thousands of people saw the sun dancing around in a way that no scientist could ever explain. If that had actually happened in the physical way that we believe we have to measure things, then scorched earth would have been part of the reality. Yes. People didn't die. They were afraid they were going to reasonably. You see the sun coming down at you. That's a reasonable response. You think you're going to die. I think one of the very basics that I would ask every Catholic, if you call yourself Catholic, you belong to a system, a, a belief system that is all about the supernatural. If you don't really have supernatural faith, then seek it. As, as one of your uh, listeners said, we all have to grow. I'm a bishop. 
And, and I have grown in my faith in the most recent years more than ever because I've got more responsibility than ever. Moms and dads, grow in your faith. Young single people, grow in your faith. Everyone needs to grow in the faith. But a supernatural faith is what really we need to focus on. What Amen. do I believe? And then through that screen to, to begin saying, okay, if I believe that life from conception to natural death is basic preeminent truth that I'm not going to let go of, if I believe that marriage is only between a man and a woman for a lifetime open to children, am I going to support any kind of politics, any candidate, any platform that denies that or plays around with it and says and tries to redefine marriage? That's a basic. Yeah. Do I believe that family is the basic nucleus of society? You get some of those basics started. I mean, if you set that foundation, mm. it's going to drive you to certain choices of electing local leaders, state leaders, and national leaders. That's what I believe this, this election is calling us to. Not so much, I mean, starting at the top level of who you're going to choose for president. I think we have to go a lot deeper than that and ask ourselves, who am I? Who is God? What do I believe that this life is for? What do I believe about life? And then start building from there and then make your choices. Honestly, um, I can't imagine some choices being made. Once you start building that foundation, just sticking with the most basic, that human life comes from God. It's a God-given blessing. Just this weekend, um, had Mass at the Cathedral here in Tyler, 10 o'clock Mass, and I noticed that there were a number of women that were obviously with child, pregnant women, and I gave them blessings individually. And it occurred to me at the end of the Mass, before the final blessing, I offered a prayer of blessing to all the expectant mothers. And the way I, I put it, I, you know, I, I think it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, so I don't take credit for it. But it was just very basic. But I said, let's welcome the new members of our congregation who their parents haven't even met them yet. Mm. But these children are with us in their mother's womb. I think we need to, to get yeah. into that kind of understanding. And that's as basic as it gets. Our vote in November needs to remember those children that may not even be born yet, but in the eyes of God have already been given life. They're already male or female. They're already on a path, if they're allowed to be, to be born, to flourish in this life, and to follow God's plan like we're trying to. Amen. I think we need to get to those very basics. That's what I would suggest, rather than worrying about 
you know, which party, which candidate, start with those bases. We're talking with Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of uh, Tyler in Texas. We're talking about Catholic principles in voting, and we have about 10 minutes left in our conversation with Bishop before we go off the air on across the Guadalupe Radio Network. But uh, I just want to put this out there, and I know, Teresa, you have a follow-up and a comment or a question for Bishop, but there are five non-negotiables that we would claim, five non-negotiables, abortion, euthanasia, embryonic stem cell research, human cloning, and uh, homosexual, quote, marriage, unquote, or the redefinition of marriage. Now, a lot of people might think, let me just throw this out there and let Teresa follow up, but a lot of people might think, Bishop, these five, oh, why do you focus on these five all the time? I care about war. I care about immigration or the death penalty or the environment or... and. I'm not trying to make light of any of those issues, by the way. They're all very important issues. But why, Bishop, would we say that these five are are what we call non-negotiable? Why are these five so um, not – we can't change them. We have to, like, consider these five. But war can be considered or, uh, or immigration could be considered one way or the other. Uh, by the way, I'm referencing a uh, document put out by Catholic Answers called The Voter's Guide for Serious Catholics. It's free. You can Google it. We'll link to it on the live video feed. I highly recommend it. It's easy to read. It's very clear, and it's not partisan. But the five non-negotiables, why do we support these five and not others? Bishop Strickland. Well, my answer to that, Joe, is that each of them, especially the first floor, are four are just absolutely about somewhere in that spectrum from conception to natural death. When we start interfering with abortion or euthanasia, or stem cell research that even in a sense gets before conception that you know starts interfering with those basics of how a human person comes to be when we're monkeying with that which we do in diabolical ways in our world today not just in the united states but throughout the world there's a disregard for the sanctity of of life the the human embryo is first all human there's a person there Um, So that's why it's so basic. Um, And we've seen threats to the other end of the spectrum that I believe will come more and more when older people are not. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about how through this COVID-19, older people through what I would call subterfuge of governments and governors and mayors have been shunted off to die, basically. And the the disabled, all sorts of issues come in there where when we start talking about quality of life, when we use that kind of terminology, it gets dangerous because we start playing God and we start saying, well, this life deserves to continue and that one doesn't. Absolutely, war and the border issues and all that you mentioned are significant issues But I guess what I always argue, if you're dead, you're not worried about a war. Mm. You're not worried about borders. You're not worried about whether you can get a job. If you're dead, you've left this world and you're hopefully moving on to life with God. But any of those issues are issues of people, whether or not they will live, Mm. whether or not that basic gift of life will be afforded them. Teresa Kumar. Um, so Bishop Strickland, this is Teresa. I just wanted to find out. Um, I recently um, started reading the USCCB's website that was 
talking about forming consciences for faithful citizenship. And even in the introductory letter, I was so pleased to read, the threat of abortion remains our preeminent priority because it directly attacks life itself, because it takes place within the sanctuary of the family, and because the number of lives destroyed. We're talking about, and I'm I'm just adding, like over 2,000 lives a day in the United States. And I was just wondering, like, I know a lot of people say, well, there's so many issues involved. And like, I know that's an important issue, but there's just so many bad choices and Mm -hmm. they just throw up their hands. So my question is, like, if you have someone that came to you and said, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just not, quote unquote, smart enough to pick. And they just throw up their hands. What would you say to them to about voting? Well, I I think I've already given my answer to just go back to what do you believe in? To mm-hmm. to sort of get away from all the noise and ask yourself, do you believe in God? Do you believe that you are a child of God? Do you believe that every human person has a right to life as a child of God? Start going back to those basics and then I think through that screen you'll say and and I can imagine people saying I don't see anybody I can vote for. Um, And I I would encourage people to vote for the very best, the one that fits their belief system as fully as possible. Um, I I think that makes, you get some pretty strong clarity if you look at these basic issues. Um, But that's what I would encourage. And I know it's not the greatest answer because we don't have the perfect candidate or even a basic choice that really brings it all together. Um, But I think there are some, I mean, if we go back to the preeminent issue of abortion, that clarifies a lot. Well, one of the things that the uh, Voter's Guide for Serious Catholics mentions, again, it's put out by Catholic Answers. You can find it at catholic.com. Uh, we'll link to it on our live video feed here as well. The reason why these five non-negotiables, uh, we, David Magianis and I were having a conversation this morning, but why those five? What makes those five interesting or unique uh, versus some of the other issues we've discussed? Uh, abortion, euthanasia, embryonic stem cell research, human cloning, and the redefinition of marriage. Why are they non-negotiable when they're not as important to me as some of these other things? Well, the reason why is because these five are always, and in every case and circumstance, intrinsically evil. Like war, for instance. War is bad. War is terrible. I served in the Marine Corps. I trained for war. War is terrible. But there are cases where war is uh, a unavoidable or b necessary to uh, to defend to uh, to stop a greater evil. There are circumstances, and that's why the church gives us just war, just theory. war theory, right? So, but uh, abortion is not. You can't come up with a case where abortion becomes a legitimate thing, and that's because it's a destruction of an innocent life. Redefinition of marriage is a fundamental. Marriage is a fundamental building block of society itself, and we've talked about this on the show mm-hmm. that the the crisis of fatherhood. Uh, destroying uh, society around us, the lack of fathers in homes, the lack of that nuclear structure of family, man and woman committed together in matrimony to bring about, uh, to raise, to rear children, to raise children, to be good, uh, incredible human beings that are madly in love with God. This is a fundamental uh concept that's true for humanity. It's called natural law. So uh, I think these five uh, non-negotiable issues, it boils down to that, right, Bishop? I'm going to give you the last word. We have two minutes left in the radio side. But these five are intrinsically evil every time versus some of these other issues 
they can be more negotiable because they're not always intrinsically evil or not always good and and uh, and upright. Well, and there's something I'd like to tag onto that real quick, which is just the fact that our we need to rely as Catholics on the supernatural grace of the sacraments because it does give us more mental clarity. It it can give us more insight in a way that we don't even necessarily grasp beyond just our common sense. So I'm um, back over to you, Bishop. Two minutes left in the radio side, Bishop. I don't know if you're able to hang out with us for the after show if you're able to stay on with us at all but uh two minutes left on the radio side go for it well joe you've really put the the pin in it that uh intrinsically evil we can't choose the intrinsically evil i mean as i say that many of the children of god do that as we're speaking but as moral people we simply can't willingly choose intrinsically evil all the other issues are prudential judgments, looking at the best path forward with whatever the situation. And I think that's a, a basic distinction that we really need to emphasize. If it's intrinsically evil, you can never just say, well, I gotta choose some intrinsically evil. We can't do that. We, we should be willing to die rather than choose that. The prudential judgments, there are tons of them, and we're gonna have different opinions about that. But I think that to make that basic distinction, and I think that's what, what I was getting at with this election, I think that's what we're being asked to do, is to choose between what do we believe is intrinsically evil that we can never choose, and what are the prudential judgments that we have lots of disagreements about. If we could get some clarity there, then the Catholic vote that they speak of would be much clearer and much more founded on the truth God has revealed to us. Amen. Praise be to Jesus. So we're just about out of time on the radio side. Bishop, uh, again, I hope you can hang out with us for the after show. But sure, if not, I can hang uh, out for a little while. Would you give our audience, our radio audience, your, your blessing, please? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your, with spirit. your spirit. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for all listening to trust in the wonder of your love and goodness and that you have created that goodness in each of us as your children. Help us to always be full of hope and know the joy of this journey of life as difficult as it can be. May the Blessed Virgin Mary intercede for us constantly as our loving mother. And we ask your blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise be to Jesus, Bishop Joseph Strickland at Isis of Tyler. Thank you for being on our radio side. Uh, hang out. We'll, we'll come back with you in just a moment for the after show. Uh, and dear audience, uh, I'm off for the next two weeks on a mission trip with my family to Montana. I would be grateful for your prayers for our journey and for uh, the, the men that we'll be serving on retreat as well as delivering some materials to the uh, Blackfeet Indians there. Uh, so praise be to Jesus for that. You'll be in good hands for the next two weeks. Teresa Kamara and Tim and David and Janelle will be working with Dave Palmer and his team to bring you two weeks of incredible programming right here on Jaron Live Friday and Monday. So stick around for that, and I'll be back, and I'll tell you all about it in a couple of weeks. All right? I'm praying for you. Pray for us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take Jesus wherever you go this week.
The Guadalupe Radio Network thanks Little Elm Eye Care for their support of local Catholic radio. Little Elm Eye Care is owned by Drs. Burt and Leslie Bubella, parishioners of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Frisco. They specialize in family vision care, comprehensive eye exams, contact lenses, and the treatment of eye diseases and injuries. Little Elm Eye Care is located at 1200 East El Dorado Parkway, Suite 100, across from the Little Elm Athletic Complex. They can be reached by calling 972-2920-900 or on the web at littleelmeyecare.com. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen.